Exploring the animal kingdom through Vaishnava literature. That's it. Exploring the animal kingdom through Vaishnava literature. What do we have in mind for this? Oh, okay. Well, yeah, um, yeah. first we might ask what prompts me to this topic. Um, it has to do with something I've been thinking a lot about and also writing about uh, recently, um, specifically the topic of what is called animal ethics, the question of how, how, should, we, how should we human beings relate with animals, with non-human animals? Sometimes that expression is made. Um, so, then to that question for us comes another question, well, what do we learn from our Shastras on the subject? Right? This would be a, a first question for us to ask. And so, um, with these and other questions, eventually it led me to writing a book and I may say something about the book later. The focus of the book is animal ethics and cows. Um, but I, I want to speak, I, I, I want that we explore um, more broadly than simply cows, although we understand cows are very special for us. Why are they special? Well, uh, if for no other reason than Lord Krishna, Cows are very dear to Lord Krishna. Why, why are cows dear to Lord Krishna? Well, in a certain sense, it's similar to the question, why is Krishna blue? Krishna is blue. He is Shama. That is, that is him. He is simply so. Um, but I, I won't go there just now. Um, but before I begin, let us... Uh, begin with some pranati. Om Ajnana Timadandasya Jnananjana Shalakaya Chakshurunitam Yena Tasmai Shigurave Shri Chaitanya Manodishtam Stapitam Yena Bhutade Svayam Rupa Kadamahyam Kadati Svapadam Mandeham Shri Guru Shri Yukta Paragamala Shri Guru Vaishnavamscha Shri Rupam Sagrajatam Sahagana Ravanatam Vipantam Sajivam Sarvaitam Sahadutam Parijana Sahitam Krishna Chaitanya Devam Shri Radha Krishna Padam Sahagana Bhavita Shri Vishakamita Nama Om Vishnu Padaya Krishna Krishnaya Bhutane Srimate Bhakti Vedanta Swamin Itinamine Namaste Saraswate Dede Godavani Pracharine Nivishesha Shunyavadi Paschatya Deshadarine Anchakalpatarubhyascha Kripasindubhyanevacham Patitanam Bhavanebhyo Vaishnavebhyo Namo Namo 
Hey Krishna, Karuna Sindhu, Dinabandhu Jagatpate, Gopesha Gopika Kanta, Radha Kanta Namastute, Tata Kanchana Gorangi, Radhe Vrindavaneshwari, Vishabhanu Sute Devi, Pranamami Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya, Prabhu Nityananda, Shri Advaita Gadadhara, Shri Vasari, Gora Bhaktavinda, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Perhaps we should begin with Sri Vrindavan Dham and the animals of Vrindavan. How many of you have been to Vrindavan? Many, most of you. Those of you who have not been, um, do you want to go? Yes. Good. <laughs> uh, those of you who have been to Vrindavan, what do you remember about Vrindavan in terms of animals? Monkeys. I thought you were going to say that. <laughs> Any other animals from Vrindavan? In Vrindavan, yes. The hogs. The hogs in the streets. The hogs in the streets, yes. The monkeys, the, the hogs. Hmm? Nilgai. Nilgai, yes. We don't see them so much, but if you're... You look for the new guy and peacock. Peacock, yeah. <laughs> uh, when I first went to Vrindavan, uh, it was in 1978, and Krishna Balaram uh was, and still is, in Raman Reti, but Raman Reti was mainly just some relatively open fields and um, what's now become a uh, the Parikram path has, has been asphalted it was just a soft sandy uh, way of walking and you could hear the peacocks from Krishnabalaram um, they would they would be singing in the morning now you don't hear the peacocks from Krishnabalaramandir anymore. They've, had, they've moved much further away. What other animals are in Vrindavan? Dogs. Dogs, yes. Yeah, what else? Birds. Hmm? Birds, what kind of birds? Yeah, there are these green parrots, these screeching green parrots, right? I don't know what they're parakeets. Anyway, yes. Um, any smaller animals? Squirrels. Squirrels, perhaps. Okay. What else? Rabbits. Rabbits? Rats. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't seen rats there. Maybe. <laughs> Did someone mention cows yet? Yeah. Okay. 
<laughs> Who can think of Vrindavan without cows? So um, I mentioned the uh, the change in the situation from when I first went there. So we don't hear the peacocks uh, from Krishna Balaram and dear. What we do hear a lot of in Vrindavan now is uh, the horns of the cars. Right? There's so much traffic now. Um, bumper to bumper traffic. And yeah, so many crowds of people. And in, in, in a certain way, that's very nice. That means so many people are coming and benefiting from being in Vrindavan. Um, and, but from another perspective, one wonders uh, if it's maybe something lost. Uh, the description of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in Chaitanya Charitamrita. How many of you have read Chaitanya Charitamrita? Not so many. 50% of your life wasted. If you haven't read Chaitanya Charitamrita, right? <clears throat> um, no, I don't mean to insult anyone, <laughs> but the point is, it's very, very, uh, it's, it's essential for the followers of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to read Chaitanya Charitamrita. And in this work, uh, we find in the Madhya chapter 17 and 18, a description of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu uh, going on pilgrimage to Vrindavan, and he's leaving from Puri. How many of you went to Puri? Okay, not so many. How many would like to visit Puri? Yeah, okay. Uh, so you know where it is, right? It's on the east coast of what we now call India, or so it's about 1,600 kilometers, uh, or is it miles, I, I think kilometers. And Lord Chaitanya walked there uh, to Rindavan from Puri. And he walked um, through a forest, uh, which has now, it's become a state, right? Jharkhand is now one of the states. Uh, it was part of Bihar or something. And it's now Jarikhand. So there was Jarikanda forest uh, or jungle. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu went there by foot together with his uh, two companions, one of them, Bhavadandra Bhattacharya. And it's described that on the way he would meet different animals, including tigers, elephants, deer, and also different, um, different birds. And <laughs> according to Krishnadas Kaviraj, first he meets a tiger and the tiger is just lying across the path, sleeping. And Lord Chaitanya pokes him with his foot wakes him up, <laughs> wake up, chant Hare Krishna, he says to the tiger. <laughs> and uh, the tiger is 
responds as Lord Chaitanya requests him to. And uh, in a similar way, he, he calls uh, the, the elephants and the tigers and the deer, everyone should chant the holy name. And they do. And not only that, but they do it together. Not just tigers and tigers, but tigers and deer. Tigers and deer, tigers and deer. I mean, <laughs> usually deer are running away from the tigers. Um, one is the predator and the other is the prey. Um, but the, Krishnadas Kandraj tells us that they were chanting and singing together, and not only not only that, they would uh, they would dance and they would embrace each other. I would really like to have a a video of of that happening. <clears throat> uh, maybe we can work on that. Shango and uh, go to Jarikan and see if we can get them. I don't know if we can imitate Chaitanya. So, and um, not only that, they would embrace and they would kiss. The tigers and the deer would kiss each other. Now, we hear this and we think, nah, that's not possible. Why do we, what, how do we understand that? Well, uh, Krishnadas Kaviraj, the author of Chaitanya Charitamrita, wants us to understand that it's possible. Why is it possible? It's possible because of who is Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. If indeed he is uh, Bhagavan Sri Krishna, as it's said throughout Chaitanya Charitamrita, that means he is omnipotent, he is all powerful, and so his will be done, as uh, would be said in the Christian tradition. Uh, he willed, he desired that they uh, chant the name Krishna, and so they did. But the point I want to make is that uh, Krishna Das then tells us that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu uh, quoted a verse from Srimad Bhagavatam in which he describes Vrindavan, in which all of the animals in Vrindavan are peaceful and happy, and they are not enemies of each other. That is then uh, extended, and it's said that for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, of course, he was on pilgrimage to go to Vrindavan, but he was experiencing already before he got there, long before he got there, he was experiencing wherever he was as Vrindavan. So from this we get a little um, a glance into, into a vision, into a way of seeing which we are not familiar with. We, we find ourselves in this world conditioned as conditioned souls, experiencing um, a state of, well, people say alienation, 
we are alienated from, from Krishna, first of all, and we are alienated um, from nature. And because of being alienated from nature, we are alienated from animals and from all the, all the flora and the fauna, uh, everything. And we perceive everything only in relation to our uh, own well-being. Um, we see ourselves as the center of our universe and and therefore we tend to see every every other being in terms of um, exploitation. We tend to um, we tend to put ourselves in the place of Krishna wanting to be the controller of other beings. And that means we become very isolated. And as we become isolated, we're not happy. Srila Prabhupada again and again would say, we want to be happy. And how to be happy by practicing, by being Krishna conscious, practicing Krishna conscious, that's what brings happiness. But what is that happiness? That happiness is a sense of community, and that community is not only humans, humans, it's all living entities together. And that's difficult for us to imagine. So Krishna Das Kaviraj gives us some food for thought how we might imagine that uh, a universe which is in which all living beings are together glorifying the Lord. So, so this is kind of the, the, the broader frame, you could say, in which I thought it's, it's nice to reflect a little bit on, on what do we find in our, <clears throat> in our Shastra, um, about animals that would help us to uh, enter into um, the, um, the space, if you like, of, uh, uh, of associating uh, with all of, all of Krishna's creation, recognizing all of Krishna's creation as being Krishna's and therefore um, um, meant to be cared for. Um, all of creation is, we, we sometimes think, well, yes, this creation is there, but it's, it's all temporary, and because it's temporary, we don't really have to care for it, because actually it's all mine. It's all, it's all temporary, it's all illusion, it's maya, so we won't worry about it. We'll just be concerned with um, getting ourselves liberated and back home, back to Godhead, and there we will be with all the, you know, in Vrindavan, uh, with all of the wonderful uh, spiritual creation. Yes, that is there, but uh, to qualify ourselves for that, 
we we practice. I'm reminded now. I'm coming to the point of cows briefly. Uh, one sadhu in Vrindavan made this point. I mentioned him in, in this book. Uh, one sadhu uh, explained to his um, his his followers um, because this sadhu um, had a small goshala in Vrindavan, and he would say to his um, his followers, uh, he would encourage them very strongly to uh, help, to serve in the Goshala. And he would say, we are, it's, we are all aspiring to, um, at the end of this life, where do we want to go? We want to go to uh, Rindavan, Goloka Rindavan. And what's happening in Goloka Rindavan? Well, there's Krishna with his cows. And so um, Krishna's not alone with the cows. He has a lot of friends, and the friend, the cowherd boys, the cowherd girls. And what are they doing? They're taking care of the cows. So the sadhu would say, you know, uh, if we want to prepare for that, go look at Vrindavan as a cowherd boy or a cowherd girl. We have to practice. <laughs> We have to practice. And so get in there, get into the goshala and start, you know, cleaning up the dung and, <laughs> and milking the cows and so on. Um, get, get your hands engaged. Let's, let's be practical. Well, maybe we don't have a goshala here uh, just yet, here in Crawley, but who knows, maybe one day. So, uh, to think about uh, animals, to reflect on animals, Shastra is there to help us. One, one way we could uh, begin with this is with the teachings we get in the 11th canto of Srimad Bhagavatam. There's a section in which um, the uh, Avaduta Brahman. Uh, this begins in uh, chapter 7, canto 11, that uh, he is, this Avaduta Brahmana is noticing how different animals behave and finding in their behavior lessons for his own spiritual life. Some of these lessons are positive lessons and some are negative, like um, the pigeon, he says, uh, Shukadev, no, um, this is Krishna speaking to Uddhava. Uh, the pigeons are very busy in their family life uh, and absorbed in their family life, they become uh, very much attached and distracted, and as a result, what happens? They get caught by the hunter, and the hunter then dispatches them. He talks about the python. 
I've never seen pythons in India, but presumably there are such snakes. I've seen other snakes in India. Uh, the, uh, the python is also a source of learning, uh, specifically of, in a sense, the opposite of the pigeons. The pigeons are attached to their family uh, engagement. The python, on the other hand, is detached, um, such that the python is not endeavoring for its maintenance at all. <laughs> now, I don't know if, to what extent this is a good example for us, because if someone would say, well, I, you know, I just don't do anything and I wait until something comes to me, we might say, no, you have to, uh, you have to work, you have to do something. Krishna tells Arjuna, nahi kaschit chanamati jatu tishvatya karma krit. You have to always be doing something. Uh, you cannot avoid it. But uh, in any case, the principle of detachment is there. Or the moth, he says, again, a case of attachment. In this case, what do moths do? They're attracted to the light. Similarly, we become attracted to objects of the senses. The moth is burned by the flame of the light. We also may be burned um, by our absorption in objects of the senses. The, the danger is there. The bumblebee, the Brahmara, uh, which is also featured in descriptions of Vrindavan, the bumblebee uh, is uh, having a special place as a kind of representative of Krishna. Um, but here, uh, the bumblebee is uh, giving the example of Madhukari. This is more a, a, a teaching for the renunciants, the, the yatis, the sannyasis. Uh, but the idea is that as, as the bumblebee goes from flower to flower and takes a small amount from each, so similarly the uh, sadhus uh, visit one householder after another. Um, then there's the elephant, and the elephant's example, according to uh, the Bhagavatam, uh, that is one to be avoided again. Elephants are attracted to a male elephant, to a female elephant. Therefore, the elephant uh, is prone to be caught in a trap. Um, and this spells doom for the, for the elephant. A similar case is the deer. Uh, the fish is also uh, an example of uh, too much attraction to this particular sense. Uh, the spider. How many spider species are there in this world? Do you know? Anybody want to guess how many different species of spiders there are? A little bit of trivia. I just looked it up in. Wikipedia today. Uh, Wikipedia Uvacha. <laughs> there are almost 49,000 different species of spider. Hmm. 
what to make of that. Well, for one thing, it's, it's something of Krishna's creativity. But what do spiders do? Spiders uh, spin their webs. And of course, this spinning of the web is for them to cap capture their food. So it's actually a kind of indication of the, you know, the violence that goes on in the animal kingdom. Um, but um, another a lesson that's learned from this, according to the 11th Canto Bhagavatam, is simply to reflect on how Krishna creates this whole universe much like a spider is spinning a web. Have you ever watched a spider spin a web? Never watched it? Who's watched it? It's really quite fascinating. I've, I was uh, noticing in the place I live in Poland, um, they'll come as it's starting to become spring. And they're already out there building their, their webs just outside the window, so you can just watch. And they're incredibly skilled. They're, they're real engineers. They, 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 they have also very complex um, memory. They, they can remember sort of how they've gone before and where to go next. And they remember the whole structure of their web. So that's just a little spider. What to speak of Krishna creating this whole universe? Krishna is doing everything like this. Um, but why is Krishna creating this universe? He's making a facility. For what? A facility for us to become caught. Uh, but it's not that he chooses for us to be caught. Rather, he uh, allows us to be caught because we choose to be caught. Um, and, and, and this is a kind of, oh, excuse me, it's a way of connecting our everyday life uh, with uh, the, the greater reality, the, the reality in which we find ourselves. We tend, all of us, um, speaking about animals, um, all of us tend to perceive our worlds in very limited ways, isn't it? Uh, speaking of window and uh, spider outside window, sometimes, we've all seen this, flies fly into the room and then they want to get out of the room. And so they go to the window and they fly against the window and they keep flying against the window. And you open the door right next to the window and you want to tell the fly, just go one foot to the right and you're free. But the fly doesn't get it. Right? <laughs> Similarly, we are in this world and we are flying against the window of our limited awareness of where we are, who we are, what is the purpose of our lives. And we're trying in so many 
so many ways that we are so convinced of are going to get us out, going to free us, make us happy, uh, and they don't work. So these kind of examples are there to help us, um, and one can one can extend these. There's just a few of them in the eleventh canto, but one can think about all different animals and their behavior, and think uh, reflect how how it's uh, similar or a, a, a lesson for ourselves. Uh, okay, there's not so much time, so uh, I want to just mention also from the Bhagavatam, from the first canto. How many of you have read the first canto of Bhagavatam? Okay, those of you who have not read the first canto of Bhagavatam, um, we wish you um, we wish the best for you to get the inspiration to do so. <laughs> because it's the entryway into the Bhagavatam as a whole. The Bhagavata Purana, Srimad Bhagavatam, is um, the foundation of our understanding, of our, uh, of our, uh, our Krishna consciousness movement. Srila Prabhupada said that Srimad Bhagavatam is the beautiful story of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. He summarized it that way, the whole 12 canto. So in the first canto, um, at the end of the first canto, we have the uh, situation which leads to the recitation of the rest of the Bhagavatam, to Maharaj Parikshit. And this situation, as many of you already know, uh, is that Maharaj Parikshit is in the forest as a king. He is hunting. He becomes tired. He becomes thirsty. He meets a sage in the forest who um, completely ignores him. Uh, why is he ignoring him? Because he is completely absorbed in meditation. He's not distracted by kings or queens. <laughs> We're celebrating queens' uh, jubilees. That's uh, very nice. But uh, this sage would have not probably been involved in that celebration. <laughs> he had other things to concentrate on. And this made Maharaj Parikshit um, a bit um, impatient, and he wanted to show his impatience. And how does he show it? Nearby where he's standing, he sees one dead snake. He take, picks up the snake, and he drapes it over the uh, shoulders of this sage, Shamika Ritchie. Um So unlike a nice flower garland of uh, yellow roses, uh, he um, makes this insulting gesture. The point is that uh, animals can also be symbols, and in this case, the, the snake is a symbol of fate and of death, um, because it spells death for Maharaj Pritchett. But, of course, it's also 
because uh, this is the beautiful story of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Um, Maharaj Pritchett is a great devotee of the Lord, and he becomes a greater devotee of the Lord. Why? Because he accepts the curse that is given to him that he will die in seven days as a result of making this insult, a curse made by the son uh, of, the, of the sage. He accepts that, and in his acceptance, he becomes, he opens himself uh, to uh, the words of the Srimad Bhagavatam recited by uh, Shukadev Goswami. And that then uh, is the entire remainder of the Srimad Bhagavatam, such that actually Maharaj Pritchett doesn't die. He uh, enters himself into deep meditation and is able to depart from his body before the body is killed. That's described in the final, the 12th canto of the Bhagavatam. So, we don't see probably many snakes around here uh, in Crawley, or? Yeah? Oh, in the park. Not loads of snakes. I mean, it's not like a tree. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Grass snakes. Grass snakes. They're not dangerous. They're not dangerous. No. Um, They're like big worms. <laughs> big worms. <laughs> okay. The point is that uh, we can make these connections through our direct experience, but also through uh, the sort of symbolic. Uh, meaning of animals that we find in Shastra. And um, backing up slightly, and then I should end because I think you have Arti now, isn't it? So we want to keep the time. Um, backing up in a bit earlier in the first canto of the Bhagavatam, Maharaj Prichit encounters uh, a, um, a Shudra who is disguised as a Kshatriya, and what is he doing? He is um, uh, torturing a cow and a bull. Why is he doing that? For no reason. Um, but he is doing this because he is uh, the embodiment of, or the personification of the age that we find ourselves in at present, and this is the age of Kali. So this becomes uh, a emblematic activity of this age, that um, in particular the cows, uh, the bovines, are not respected, rather they are killed, they are eaten. So one of the core uh, elements of the mission that Srila Prabhupada gave us as followers of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu uh, was to practice the care for and the protection of cows. And that's something that uh, we are doing in our society on a very small scale uh, for the most part, uh, but the hope is that it can be expanded. Um, we have a ministry for cow protection and animal, sorry, cow Cow Protection and Agriculture uh, has one of the ministries of ISKCON. And um, 
I'm helping out with that in the European area, and we want to increase the um, facility to care for cows. And in this way, um, in this way, actually, Mahatma Gandhi said this, through the cow, through care for the cow, we realize our proper relation with all of the creation, with all animals, with all beings of the world. So there's so much more that might be said about exploring uh, the animal kingdom in our Shastra, but we'll leave it at that for now. And I'll say thank you all very much. I might just mention, we did bring uh, what, one copy, two copies of this book, uh, if anyone is interested. Um, uh, it's, uh, it's available here. It's also available online in digital form, but some prefer to read real books instead of digital books. Right. Hare Krishna. Can I ask a question, Mars? Thank you very much. If there's time, but yeah. you're the timekeeper. So. Sure, yeah. Um, when we hear about cow protection, uh, I mean, with anything, actually, any endeavors that we do, we usually think of it in a way that it, we either break even or make profit. Um, whether it's temples or whatever it is that we're doing, we try to make it make financial sense. Financially viable. Do you find that with cow protection, it's kind of in its special category in the sense that we should do it in a charitable way that it doesn't necessarily have to be financially viable, but just that we should do it as a matter of charity that we see it as a duty that we need to protect cows, even if it means we do it at a loss and we're just donating towards that cause. Because right. it kind of feels like yeah, we're, we're competing against an industry that is like, in, yeah. like we can't compete with them because yeah. the meat industry, they're taking care of cows but making money from it. Whereas yeah. the, we're trying to protect cows, but the amount of money that we get in return is kind of minuscule compared to well, the, 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 the dairy industry is taking care of cows only so long, and then they're not taking care, rather they're killing. Uh, the dairy industry is an extension uh, of the meat industry. It's simply part of the meat industry, actually, because as soon as they're no longer giving milk, and of course, when, when male cows uh, or bulls are born, that's it for them, basically. Um, yeah, that's a big topic. Um, short answer, I would just say that you're, you're, it's, it's a very well put question. Um, we do want to be financially viable, and we should therefore be aiming for it as much as possible. And uh, some will argue that unless it's financially viable, it will not be sustainable. Um, but another factor involved here, I think, although we say kind of either profitable or at least breaking even, or charity, uh, but I think there's an, in a sort of 
intangible element here that we want to be aware of. What I call in this book the intangible benefits of cow care. Um, and this is, I think, where Srila Prabhupada was most strongly speaking. He was saying uh, that uh, human civilization begins with cow protection. So then, okay, what is human civilization? Maybe we don't even know what that is yet. <laughs> and um, to make it sustainable is, um, is not an easy thing. But we don't want to say, well, because it's not easy, therefore we won't do it. Uh, rather, I think it's where we want to remember uh, that uh, famous comment of Srila Prabhupada in a different context, but he said the word impossible is a word in a fool's dictionary. <laughs> in other words, we should never be just uh, dismissing a challenge given to us by our acharyas, oh, that's impossible. Uh, rather, we want to take it on um, despite it seeming to be impossible and find a way to do it, um, eventually to make it financially viable. I think it's interesting, you're no doubt familiar um, uh, with Sita Ram Prabhu's project, uh, Ahimsa Milk Foundation. He told me that he has, uh, and this is a couple of years ago, he said he has 1,000 people on the waiting list wanting to get this Ahimsa milk, uh, despite the fact that it's he has to, to maintain what he's doing, has to charge um, two or three times or more uh, what one pays in the shop. So that's interesting. If that, so what's that indicating is that people have the sense that there's something of value here which cannot be measured in the same way as uh, we usually calculate. There's an invisible benefit here. If I have milk that is uh, coming from cows that are protected their entire lives, uh, I can offer that to Krishna and really feel I'm doing a service to Krishna as I'm helping to protect these cows. Is that all right? Thank you. As a short answer. <laughs> okay. Well, again, thank you all for this opportunity to uh, come and meet you and say a few things. I hope I didn't say something off the wall, as we say in America. Um, and perhaps um, there can be further reflection on this topic on your own or in groups. <laughs> right. Thank you very much, Shiva Prabhupada.